Hello, everybody. It's so nice to see so many of you visiting us, and thank you for bringing that word. And just exciting that uh, when the body of Christ comes together, uh, we hear from God, which is really exciting. I hope you've got your Bibles together uh, out today. I'm going to look in two different places, but um, I think uh, it was three weeks ago or something, I spoke about um, the purpose of the church and, uh, and why we're here and what it's uh, all about. And then Ellie last week, she talked about the love of God. And she talked about how uh, once we're in the love of God, uh, that love of God can pour out of us to meet others. And today, I just want to talk about, uh, from, the, from the scriptures, moving forward in discipleship. Um, and I'll explain that as I go. That's, a, that's another part of being a Christian, is to grow in your knowledge of God and uh, making yourself available to Him in every area of your life. And so, if you'd like to turn with me into 1 John, uh, the, just before Revelation, that's not the Gospel of John, but 1 John, I'm just going to read from a little bit from what uh, the, um, the Apostle John said. He was a very old man when he wrote this part. And uh, they say of John, he was uh, probably in his 80s or something like that, I don't know. Um, uh, sorry, uh, Edward, uh, you know, that's not very old in your case. He's very young in your case. Um, but he used to carry him in uh, because he was, you know, he was an elderly man. And one of the things he used to say to people constantly was, brothers and sisters love one another. And uh, he, he had a great love for the whole church, whether they were people who just come to Christ, they were people who were growing in Christ, or whether they were older, more mature Christians. And so he wrote these words in 1 John um, chapter 2, and he says these words, and he repeats it, worth noting what he says. So I'm reading from verse 12, that's 1 John chapter 2 and verse 12. This is what he says. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I'm writing to you young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And then he sort of repeats the whole thing all over again with one or two additions. And he says this, I'm writing to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know who, who is from the beginning. He repeats what he said to them the first time. And then he says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now, people offer the different uh, understanding of why this is written, why he's trying to say. But I believe what he's doing, he's not just talking to young men and old men and so on, and young children. He's, in his mind, he sees the church made up of different categories of people who are on a journey. He sees those who are just maybe just seeking God and just coming to know Jesus as the Lord and Saviour, as we have amongst us. And that's why we're baptising those who are just coming into a knowledge of God. He calls them young children. That's not an insult. It's an understanding of where they are and where they are at that moment in terms of knowing Jesus. They don't know very much, but what do they know? Well, he says, um, I'm writing you, Jesus, uh, dear, dear children, 
because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name and because you know the Father. That's the starting point of becoming a Christian, is to come and understand the love of God and to understand that his love is poured out to us when he, his son died on the cross. And so at that stage we are dear children. We're dear because we're loved by God the Father. And we're dear children because we're just beginning. We're just learning. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all have to start there. And that's a, a very important part. If you have had any children, uh, my wife uh, blessed me with four daughters. I didn't actually have them, but I, I did have something to do with that. I won't go into all that now. But she blessed me with four girls. And I remember this. When our first daughter, Catherine, uh, was born, um, brought her home, uh, put her in a sort of you know, crib or something that uh, we've been given for her. And I, I remember looking at her and just this, this little gentle breath. And uh, later on in the day, I wanted to race back and have another look at her. So is she still breathing? You know, because her breath was so small and so gentle as a very young baby. That's what we're like when we come to God. We come to him and we receive his love. And the power of his love gets into our life and gives us life. Actually, the Bible says this. It moves us out of darkness into his light. And so that is the starting point that is what is to do with discipleship, is being a child of God and recognizing his love and saying, I want to grow. I remember when we had our second daughter, and I, I had to ask this question, and you might think this is really silly. Have I got enough love for two? Because I love this first one, and now the second one. Not that you know I didn't love her, but I had to. I said, Lord, somehow I'm going to find love for two now. And that actually the before eventually. And I have to tell you, each one different, but all beginning at that stage of just, as it were, the baby growing and becoming the person that God wanted them to be. Now, I need to add to you, my, my daughters are all in their 40s, one of them's in their 50s, and uh, they're women, women who love God and got their own children. Because that work has continued. So if you're in that stage, if recently you've come to know Jesus, this is for you what I'm about to say today. But John also talks, he says, I'm writing to you fathers. Now, he's just using them as a category of people who've known God and grown in God for a long time. I think one of the tragedies is that we can be older, but we haven't moved on. We've stayed, as it were. Oh, I've become a Christian, and that's all there is to it. No, that isn't all there is to it. He wants us to grow in love. And as he says to the ones who are fathers, he says, he writes the same thing twice. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. That speaks to me about a depth of their love. You know him who's from the beginning. They've got some understanding. They've, they've, they've walked with him for many years perhaps and grown to experience his love and there have been battles on the way. But they now have that understanding whereby they can pass that on to others. That's what the church must have. Paul said somewhere in the script, he said, you, have, you, know, you don't have many fathers. And the church needs fathers and mothers in Christ. Those who are older, those who can say, look, 
I know you're struggling over this, but I'm also struggling with the air, that area. And these are the practical things that I found work in life to help you forward. So if you come as a, a, in Paul, a, a John's category, as a little child, listen, this church has got fathers and mothers in Christ. And your aim is to grow to be one who can pass on to others what you have experienced and what you are living there's no good passing on what we're not living. And so he said that I write to you, Father, because you've known him from the beginning. But then he has another conspiracy. And he says this, I'm writing to you, young men. That's the category of those who've been on the road as Christians for a while. Maybe a year, two years, three years. I don't know what the time scale is, but notice what he says to them. He sort of repeats it twice. The first thing he says is, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Now that speaks to me of real discipleship. Where, listen, as a Christian, there are battles to be fought. There are temptations that come our way. Before we become Christians, I, in a sense, I would say this. I would say the devil is not too interested in us. Because we're living in darkness and we're probably doing what he wants anyway. But once we give our life to Jesus, we walk into the light. And now, we, aspire, we become one who will be attacked because he cannot stop us coming to Christ. But he can annul the light in us. He can cause us to, to, to get into foolishness and do things that we shouldn't be doing and not grow. And so... Uh, John says this, I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. And uh, one of the things we did recently and we'll be doing in September is uh, the men getting together and the, the ladies also separately getting together where we talk about uh, the, the struggles that we go through. Not to just, you know, shit all sort of, as it were, wear our hearts on their sleeves or oh, I go through this or you go, it's all the Christian lights are. But actually, we have to say to one another, as I think it was James said, confess your thoughts to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So that as a growing Christian, there will be times when you find yourself tempted and you, and you make mistakes and you fall. But actually you need others who will say, come on! You don't have to give up. You don't have to stay there. You can grow in God too. And we make use of that wonderful gift of God. That wonderful gift which is repentance. Which allows us to come back to the Father and say, Father, I'm so sorry that I've taken my eyes off you, but I come again. And he welcomes us. We don't get born again and again. But actually, repentance is actually being able to say, I'm truly sorry. I recognize the Holy Spirit has been showing me that what I've been doing is a problem, but I want to walk with you. And uh, I've used this illustration before of Peter. Do you remember after him? Denying Christ three times. I mention it always because it so helps me that when that time Jesus raised from the dead, do you remember what Jesus said to Peter? He put his arm around him and he asked him three questions because he failed three times. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Do you really, really love me? That is the Father's love, constantly coming to us to draw us forward. And he says of these young men, he says, 
First of all, I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. But the second time he writes it, he says, I'm writing to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. So he's giving us a bit of information how as young men, young women, at this stage in growing, we can be strong, but notice the means. Do you see it there? It says, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you've overcome the evil one. Do you remember Jesus being tempted in the wilderness? Remember those? It's a well-known thing. I think one of the devil said, on, you know, if you're really, really God, throw yourself up here and turn these uh, stones into bread. He was tempted. Be often we are being tempted. I must be, you must be a terrible person. No, listen, you're being tempted because you're the real thing. That's why you're being tempted. Because the evil one can draw you away. People often get confused between temptation and sin. Listen, they're not the same. Temptation is temptation to sin, but being tempted is not sin. Jesus was tempted even as we are. And he understands. But how did he meet those temptations? Do you remember? When the devil said, oh, this, that, and the other, he said, the word of God says. And he says, why don't we turn these stones into bread? You're hungry. You've been fasting for 40 days. He says, yes, but the word of God says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father. See? So this is why he says to the young man, he says, you are strong because the word of God is living in you. I want to ask you, if you're in that category, and you're in the first category, and even if you're in the old men and old women category, is the word of God still the means that you're using to keep yourself moving forward? Listen, I can't recite the whole Bible to you. I don't know where every verse in the Bible is, but I do scribble in my Bible. And I make notes so that when I read that again, I say, yes, God spoke to me about that. He helped me about that. I use this as a means to live. And you've heard me say how I do it. But I'm going to tell you again. I like to do things in sort of, a, 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 in an ordered way. I, I, I habits help me. And so I get up in the morning, I do talk to God, and I do say, good morning, Lord, and I don't just say, good Lord, it's morning. I say, good morning, and uh, I, I will beat the dogs, and I sometimes make tea for my wife, sometimes I forget, and, and, um, but then I make porridge. You don't have to have porridge, but I make porridge, and I sit down, and I open my Bible, and I eat my porridge, and I read my Bible. And I read from where else I was. Sometimes I read the same bit over again. And I make the notes in it all the way along. And it's just a habit because I have to have a breakfast. And so I'm doing that then. But it can be a means to read my Bible too. And then, and if you don't have to have a dog for the next bit, I then take the dogs out. And when I walk the dogs, I think and pray about the stuff that I've read. Just a verse. Yeah, I've been reading my way through, you know, about King David and all his troubles with Saul and all the things he went through. And I'm still working through that. I've probably been there for a month. I'm not in a race to get to the end. 
I'm trying to live on what I'm reading. Have you got a method, young men, young women, young children, young old people? Have you got a method of getting the Bible into you? You have a common excuse, oh, I'm not very good at reading. Listen, I'll give you a secret. You only have to read one word at a time. You haven't got to read the whole chapter. Read a verse or two, but get it into you. You can do it. And if you find reading really difficult, get up the app to put on your phone where you can hear somebody else reading out and then read it and listen to it and get it into your heart. And I would say this, and this is total anathema for modern day youth, isn't it? Memorize it. Get it into your Listen, a day might come where we're not allowed to have Bibles in this nation anymore. Hey, what are we going to have then? If we get it into our hearts, there are verses that I'm always quoting to. That's why they don't let me preach very often. Because I'm always quoting the same verses. You know, no one be bored. Listen, listen, there are verses that I use all the time. And I know where they are roughly. So the verse in Proverbs that I use a lot, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path i use that one all the time when i don't know what to do when i i think i'm and you know I'm, my mind is wandering i trust in the lord i say it to myself trust in the lord Lord, with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding the number of times i think well i can solve this I, 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 I found a way of doing this. But that verse reminds me, that's not the way. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't depend on your own understanding. Let God's word be the thing that guides you. This is discipleship. Growing in God. Hey, I want to ask you, if you're a young child here today, I mean in John's categories of young child as well as the other young children, if you're a young man or a young woman, in John's categories of young men and young women. If you're an old man, or a mature lady, because the phrase old woman doesn't sound quite right, does it? But if you're a mature man in God, or, or a mature lady in God, are you doing this? Are you letting the word of God, are you overcoming? Are you talking to others? Are you making use of the church, of friends in the church, and saying, listen, I'm really struggling over this. Or I'm having problems in this area. Or my mind is not working. Or I don't think I've been very honest in this area. They're the things we're allowed to talk to one another about. And in a good church, you won't find people saying, well, that's enough to be my sharp ask to go to everybody. But they'll keep it to themselves and they'll pray with you. And they'll help you. As Paul said, confess your faults to one another. That you may grow and be healed. So every one of us in this room, actually, John is writing to. Now I'm going to move on. I'll try and finish before four o'clock this afternoon. I just want to ask you to look at Hebrews chapter five. So if you, you can just find your way there to Hebrews, just after Timothy, and just into Hebrews. Paul was upset when. Uh, sorry, well we don't quite know who wrote. 
but I often say, Paul, I don't know whether we're not quite sure who it was, might have been a policy, doesn't really matter. But whoever was writing this, he, he was upset with the church in a good, righteous way. And if you look into uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 13, he says to them in verse uh, 13, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with teaching about righteousness. What is he saying there? He's saying to them, he's saying, some of you have been on the road with Jesus for many, many years. But actually, when I listen to the things you talk about and you explain to me what you're going through, you're not actually, you haven't actually moved ahead. And so he says this, he says, I want to give you solid food. I want you to grow as a Christian. But he says this, solid food is for the mature. And then he then gives a definition of what it means to be a mature Christian. Here it comes. I'll read it again. He says, solid food is for the mature who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. In a sense, that is incredibly simple, isn't it? So what does it mean to be mature? Well, according to the writer of Hebrews, it's really quite simple. It, maturity is that comes to those who by constant use. Constant use of what? Constant referring to the scriptures, constantly reminding themselves of truth. <laughs> who by constant use have trained themselves. Oh, nobody to train me. Well, listen, train yourself, Paul. That doesn't preclude a friend coming and helping you. But there is to be something that we train ourselves in. Train themselves to distinguish good from evil. How does that work in practice? Well, I don't have a full answer to this, but you know what? I think it comes from learning from you. Why did I speak like that? To... Right, I've, got, I've got to change. I've got to be different. And also we have one who lives in us once we've given our life to Christ. Who is he? The Holy Spirit who comes along and says, Hey, what are you doing? I told you this story before. I'm going to tell it again. A friend of mine who actually became the pastor of the church that Carol and I went to, uh, went to when we got married. He told, he was, um, he was a, training to be a solicitor, and he used to catch the train in uh, London every day. And this is before he was a Christian. Actually, he went to a union meeting. Uh, he thought it was, uh, he was standing at the back having a cigarette. He thought, and suddenly realized this wasn't a union meeting like he'd ever been to before. Actually, it was a Christian union meeting. And the two old ladies at the front were talking, and he would never listen to two old ladies. But suddenly he realized that what they were saying was affecting his life. So he stuck out his cigarette and thought, I'd better do something about this. So he went forward and gave his life to Jesus. Now, he'd done that and he'd been changed by the power of Jesus. But there was still a lot of discipleship to go on in his life. And he first did, he discovered that about two days later. If you know this story, don't tell you that, but I'll tell you the rest of it. His habit before he became a Christian was to very deftly leg it over the barrier, over the top, and not pay for a ticket. He was, very, he was quite athletic, young man, to 
over the barrier, and if the somebody said to him, I'm sure you tell me how to do that. And if somebody said to him, Have you got a ticket? He'd say, Oh, I was in a rush and I got on this platform. And, and so he wouldn't have to pay the full fare. Now, that old habit was such a habit with him that even though he'd just given his life to Jesus, the habit was still there. So the next day, or day after he'd become a Christian, he's running for the train over the barrier. And as he went over the barrier, he felt somebody speak to him. And it was the Holy Spirit. And his destiny was he felt the Holy Spirit say, what are you doing? We don't do that anymore. <laughs> you see, because when we sin, we are, we, are, we are insulting God. So the Holy Spirit said, we don't do that anymore. Now, right in his own testimony was, ignored that voice. And he kept ignoring that voice that kept saying, we don't do that anymore. Until he was caught going over the barrier. And the exciting thing is this, he was brought before the magistrate and his, his uh, counsel or his defence lawyer or whatever they call them, anyway, uh, wanted to say, yes, but I want you, uh, my lord, to take into account the fact this young man has just become a Christian. Thought that would go down well with the magistrate. Whereupon the magistrate looked over his glasses and said, so you've become a Christian, have you, young man? He said, yes, I have. He said, well, perhaps we'd better teach you a real big lesson of what it means to be a Christian. Give him the maximum fine. Oh. But he said, learn his lesson. That actually, the Holy Spirit had been wanting to say to him, we don't do that anymore. If you are one of, the, of John's children and just become a Christian or uh, uh, in the last year or so, are you listening to the Holy Spirit? He is utterly and completely committed to you growing as a man or woman of God. You know that? But it only happens as this verse is put into practice. It says, who, but, uh, it says, who have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Because they're listening to the Holy Spirit. I, I want to give an opportunity, just as I finish in a moment, and don't quite believe that because preachers often say that. Um, but I'll finish it in a minute or two just to pray for us that this, this, this sense of the Holy Spirit in our life would be heightened so that we, we really do listen to Him and we're willing to let what He says be the thing that guides us. Listen, if you're a, a, in the category of young man or young woman, you need that as well. Can I just say, if you're in the category of old man or mature, Christian lady, you need that. In fact, we all need this to be listening constantly to the Holy Spirit. And I have to tell you this, that sometimes the things the Holy Spirit says to me are a bit uncomfortable. Why did you say that today? Why, why did you just make that comment? Why did you think that? And it, and it happens to me regularly. And I say, oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Because he is only saying it that we might grow to be mature. I haven't got time to finish all that I was going to look at today, but if you turn your page into Hebrews chapter 6, I'm going to spend two minutes just looking at this. I'd like you to read it uh, afterwards, because in uh, uh, chapter 6, the writer of Hebrews actually gives a little bit of a hint 
of how these people who are immature can grow to be mature. I'll read it through from chapter 6 of Hebrews, verse 1. What's happened? Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. See that? Be taken forward by God. And then he goes on to say, not laying again, and he now gives this foundation that is in your life if you ask Jesus into your life. Not laying again, there's another light flashing on Or instructions about baptisms, or the laying on of hands, or the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Did you notice there are three things in there? Past, present, future. Past, you have given your life to God. I committed my life to I asked him to forgive me for my sin. Past. It might only be a moment or two past, but it's something you've done and you don't have to keep digging it up. If you have asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life and he, uh, he has received what you have said, you don't have to come and prove great things because actually it isn't by your great acts that you become a Christian. It's by his great mercy and grace. Past. Repentance. But never forget repentance from acts that lead to death. Never forget it. Never forget this thing of, of faith in God. Don't just have that on a Sunday when you get it right to God. Let it be constant. Past. Present. Instructions about baptism. That's to do with baptism, which we're going to have in September, is the first step of obedience on your journey as a, a young man, young woman of God. Nailing your colours to the mast and saying, I don't deserve it, but I belong to Jesus. That word, nailing your colours to the mast, is so important. It's like saying, whether they blow the top off my mast or not, my colours are nailed to the top, and I'll go down with the ship, I'll follow him in all that I do. And then it says, past, present, let rest, and then it says, the future resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So that actually you understand now that you've given your life to God, listen, you are in the process of being raised from the dead. You are raised with Christ, but a day will come when you are raised. You will see him as he is. Get that into your soul because it affects the way you live today. It says, um, resurrection and eternal judgment. Oh, that sounds good. Listen, if you've given your life to Jesus, eternal judgment will be very different to how it would it be if you hadn't given your life to him. You will be able to say, I only stand here by the forgiveness of Jesus. Yeah. And then the Bible says, God will want to reward you for the things that you've done, whether good or bad. Wow! He wants to reward us for simply following him and being his man or his woman. But do you notice the end that I am honestly ending here? Have you ever noticed this verse 3? And God permitting, we will do so. Do you know what that means? It means if we're going to grow as Christians, moving from the category of little children, 
to young men and women, to older men and women, we have to have a building permit. We've got to have God's permission to grow. If you want to build, I don't know, on top of your garage or something, and put another bedroom in your house or something, you have to get permission. And do you know what they look at? They look at the foundations that are already there and see if it can be built upon. So this process of growing as a Christian is to say, God, I want my foundations to be based firmly in the Word of God, and I want them to be foundations that you can build on. But God knows He can keep giving opportunities to you, and, and there will be trials and temptation, but because the foundation is good, something for the future can be built on it, because God wants to use every one of them. Whether you're a young child, young man or woman, or an woman, he has work for us to do. Not that we earn anything by doing that work, except for well done, good and faithful servant, but to see his kingdom come. So where are you? I want to just pray. I want to ask you at a moment to stand. And I'm going to ask you just, I'm not going to ask you to publicly say this, but I want to, in your mind, just give a, a very... Uh, what's the word? An um, uh, uh, honest assessment of where you think you are. I, I'm happy to do that because I, I'm preaching this. And I only preach stuff that's gone already taken me through. Where are you in terms of, you know, little child, young man, uh, older person? And how is your foundation? And is the Holy Spirit, does he have access to you? Or is he wanting to talk to you, but actually, now nah, yeah, I'll deal with that later. But he's saying, no, it's today. He wants to say, even as you let it over the barrier, we don't do that anymore. I just love the way, right, you know, we didn't get a, a book round his ear. We've got that experience. We don't do that anymore. Fortunately, he changed. That's why. Karen and I are who we are, because he trained us. That honest, open discipleship he brought to our lives. So, may I ask you to stand? Can I ask everybody to stand? Whatever age you are, I just want you to now, as I pray, I want you to put your hands out, and I want you to just stand before God and ask him that honest assessment of where am I? Am I growing? Are there areas where yeah, I, I take my eyes off the wall. He wants to, today, he wants to come alongside you. He wants to help you forward. He is for you and not against you. Put your hands out. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are the paraclete, the one who comes alongside us to help us. We ask you now, speak to us. Spirit speaking to you, I hope he is.